So Microsoft have just launched two new products. You may have heard about the data intelligence platform launched by Microsoft back in summer, and also the announcement and the launch very soon of their supply chain management software solution, in which many have deemed as a competitor to Palantir. I want to clarify some of my commentary regarding the Microsoft Intelligent Data Platform and the Supply Chain Data Platform, why I believe this is a true competitor to Palantir, and this is going to go against a lot of the conventional wisdom we've heard in recent times. But in light of the recent FTX drama, namely the amount of YouTubers, content creators, Kevin O'Leary, Scam O'Leary, as I call him, Jim Old Kramer, as I now call him, all of these people pumping, praising the crypto economy like it's the best new innovation, they totally lie to you. I more than ever, I'm going to be totally, totally blunt. So if you're okay with living in an echo chamber, don't watch the videos. If you're okay with just hearing one side of the story, don't watch the videos. I'm going to be totally blunt, totally honest, and I think it's wise and fun to play devil's advocate from now on. Investing is never straightforward. You need to know how to grapple with alternative views and opinions whilst remaining totally impartial. That's a skill to learn. So if you've already hit the dislike button, go ahead, unsubscribe, stay in your echo chamber. I'm going to try to deliver truth within every single video, especially in light of the recent FTX drama. So I want to clear up some points regarding the past video, because there was some points of confusion, many points of confusion, I would argue. Does the best technology always win? This is the first point I want to speak about, and the answer historically is a staggering big fat large no, N-O, the best technology does not always win. And history proves my point to be correct. If you take a quick history trip back 10, 15, 20 years ago, you can see that history tells us the answer. The best technology does not always win. If you look at, for example, Pan Am, IBM, Polaroid, these were once companies that were monopolistic. They were leading within their field, and some of them are still around today. Talk about IBM. However, Pan Am, Polaroid, Nokia, these were the companies which were dominant in their field. However, after a reign failed theatrically, very very dramatically the question and the answer is revealed within this video the question to ask is why did they fail despite being the best technological leaders of their time for example polaroid back in the 1990s was creating innovation after innovation and suddenly in a very theatrical and strange dramatic fashion the music stopped playing and polaroid dramatically failed edwin land the ceo at the time began by discovery of the hidden property of light he then built an empire in which innovations led to growing franchises that then led to more innovations, and this cycle continued for many years. Edwin Land is pretty remarkable as a person. He was responsible for discovery of the hidden property of light, in which later led to the Polaroid company and a range of other use cases. Innovation after innovation, ultimately leading to the camera. Today, for example, if you're using a laptop or a smartphone or any sort of LCD screen, you are using some sort of iteration of Edwin Land. It is fairly remarkable to think, just from a historical perspective, that we could have created camera phones, we could have created, and we did create, light in the form of cameras, pictures, back in the 1900s. This was a remarkable discovery. Edwin Land was a total genius. Hopefully this gives some perspective in regards to how amazing Edwin Land's innovations were, and the fact that this was such a large advancement within technological history. The media labelled the products by Polaroid as magical. Technology magazines stated that the company that seems to specialise within turning the impossible into real hardware have done it again. 
Others noted that this new product was the highlight of the company. You may first assume that the radical new innovation would have inevitably resulted into drastic sales. However, it did not. In fact, within a year, this product was dead. Customers were not buying the products. Despite the resolution and the quality of this new innovation of a camera being invented, being displayed to the market. So despite the technological superiority of the camera, the customers did not want it. So despite the fact that the product had aesthetics which were superior in almost every regard and advancements within technology, customers were really not interested. Funnily enough, customers did not need extra resolution for home movies, and customers deemed that the elegant design could not overcome the convenience of other products. Other videotapes, such as the Super 8 film, were easier, cheaper, and erasable. Wall Street analysts, in a very idiotic and silly manner sometimes, mentioned very clearly within their reports that this is a product that has much more scientific and aesthetic appeal rather than commercial significance. They actually got this one very correct. Soon after, the company was losing money rapidly. A door of revolving CEOs came through, but it was too late. The company found themselves in a dire situation, solely based on the obsession of a leader for newer, bigger, better, more stronger products, whilst totally disregarding other vital aspects of the company. Polaroid was solely focused on bigger, better, stronger, more important scientific breakthroughs after scientific breakthrough. However, they totally disregarded the commercial aspect of the company. This is another example of how the best technology does not always win. Having the best technology is not always sufficient. The best technology does not, in itself, within a vacuum, result in success. There are countless examples of companies that focused on innovation after innovation. Superior technological features, however, still failed. As I've stated in the past many times, superiority, strength of the strategy, is often very important and overlooked by investors and businesses. Strength of the strategy is key, yet the Palantir, I believe, have failed to capitalise on this. Within the case of Polaroid, it was very obvious to see what had happened. In other words, Polaroid lost sight of the commercial utility, but were instead focusing solely on scientific breakthroughs. This insistence of pure focus on innovation led to products in which were scientific breakthroughs and aesthetic beauties, however, failed to appeal to the commercial segment. This is really important to understand when looking at Palantir. Another question to dismantle, leading off from that prior point, is in regard to what the Palantir community commonly states is, having the best technology or being in a class of their own, I think being a suitable term to coin this segment. But I want to dismantle this slightly. What does having the best technology actually mean? What does it mean to be in a class of your own, as stated commonly by the Palantir investors? And the truth is being in a class of your own or having the best technology must be broken down and dissected. We cannot look at Palantir solely from a technical sense. Sure, their products are far superior when it comes to producing alpha in comparison to that of productivity enhancement tools such as Snowflake or Zoom. That's very, very clear. Palantir produces alpha from a technical sense. But the point that I'm making is the technological superiority is not the only factor to consider when it comes to deeming a technology or a company as being in a class of their own. You see, there are a lot of criticisms regarding Palantir and their use cases and friction associated with specifically small organizations. Palantir, in a very realistic sense, is almost equivalent to pumping mass steroids into a 15-year-old kid that's just started going to the gym. It's too much. He can't do it. He's going to blow up. You need to take it easy. The friction associated with use and adoption of the Palantir software solution for a young company, small company, is far too extreme. They don't need all of you, baby. The point that I'm making is that being in a class of your own or having the best superior technology must be dissected. You must look at this from a, yes, 
technical sense, does Palantir have the technology in which is far better, 10x better than any other competitor? I would argue yes. But also couple that with a commercial understanding. Does Palantir have the best go-to-market strategy? Do they have the least friction associated with adoption? I would argue no. So when you couple that together, that is the real meaning of being in a class of your own. That is the real meaning of having the best technology. You cannot solely look at this through a technical sense alone. Having the best technology is a combination of frictionless experience with integration go-to-market strategy coupled with superior technological features. We as investors can sometimes be reductionistic in our thinking, and it's very, very dangerous to do that. On another note, will Microsoft beat Palantir? This is something I want to clarify too. To understand this and to grapple with this point, we must understand the strategy, the recent strategy of these big tech companies such as Microsoft. And the strategy commonly consists of something like this. It's to identify an area in which is going to be incredibly important and is working successfully now that has large growth in the future. Then it is to create a watered down version, iteration of the set product that is working within the market. And thirdly, use the amazing brand and the amazing go-to-market strategy, the amazing selling strategy within Microsoft and these big tech firms to basically destroy the current organization. This can be seen within the case of Google, it can be seen within the case of Microsoft, and I think this is happening now with Palantir. The cycle repeats, identify an area, create a watered-down product, and use the amazing selling and branding of Microsoft, the distribution networks, in order to overcome and overpower this competitor. And sometimes this actually works. Doug Philippone has mentioned recently to add even more spice to the tail. Doug Philippone, the global defense leader at Palantir, mentioned recently that it can often be very hard to identify which product succeeds within a technical data sense. Within software, often it's very hard for outsiders to understand which product works, which product doesn't, which product produces alpha and which product doesn't. Often you have organizations in which are using an example of data on a specific use case to showcase their product However, in the real world, that product doesn't work. You can understand and you have to sympathize that from an outsider's point of view, it can be very hard to understand which product succeeds and which product fails. It can be hard to understand which product produces alpha and which product does not. Thus, from an organizational POV, the combination of the Microsoft brand coupled with their amazing go-to-market strategies, their selling strategies and their distribution networks, this may persuade and incentivize one to use Microsoft's product over Palantir. This is regardless of if Palantir's product is superior. Fundamentally, if Palantir is struggling with the go-to-market strategy, if they're struggling to create a development community, if they're struggling to ease the friction associated with integration within their organization, if they're being so kind of anti-organizations in some weird sense, then this will disincentivize organizations when using Palantir. They perhaps will likely want to use a watered-down product which is far easier to use and adopt and integrate within an organization. It's seamless, there's limited friction associated with adoption. So just to clarify, it does not matter if Microsoft has a clearly inferior product. The world is not fair sunshine. It doesn't work like that. It's not so black and white. If the strategy is strong by Microsoft, coupled with limited friction associated with adoption, this could easily persuade usage of the platform over Palantir. So I hope that was interesting and you did learn something. If you agree, please let me know. If you disagree, I'd love to hear your thoughts too. See you next time.